Welcome to the Stadium Tech Report podcast. I'm Phil Harvey, but enough about me. Joining me all the way from Boulder, Colorado, where it is actually warm. Quite warm. Is <laughs> the editor-in-chief of the Mobile Sports Report, Mr. Paul Kaputska. Paul, how warm is it? It's so warm that, no, <laughs> it's quite warm. All the snow is melting. That's what I can tell you. It's, it's yes. dry and hot here, and our streams are running full, so. Well, that's good. For, for a lot of parts of the country, they would envy that. Yes, yes, our reservoirs are full. We're happy we have water, so. Excellent. Good deal. Well, we are talking about uh, virtual reality for this podcast, and it's so interesting because this is this doesn't seem like uh, a, I, I mean, as long as we've both been reporting and covering technology, I can't believe virtual reality is really here because we have talked about it yeah. in 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 all manners of reporting for years and years and years. But what we um, are really getting into now is this is the recent evolution it, it, the the hardware itself we've got three main platforms the oculus rift the htc vive and the samsung gear vr and these are all you know frankly they have an amazing amount of processing power an amazing amount of um uh, fidelity in terms of the displays you know they're just right. just incredibly crisp and cr- incredibly clear displays and the ability to really stream and and process huge amounts of content which really when you're talking about creating a virtual reality and putting on a headset and and really experiencing something via your smartphone that's what it's all about it, not so long ago, these experiences were available to us in in, <laughs> in various ways, but the processing and the the gear just wasn't there. The ecosystem wasn't there, right. and I had a you know an experience at CES a few years ago where I actually got a little bit nauseous trying on one of the headsets because the motion sickness and all that stuff kicked in. But now we're at a completely different point, and one of the most interesting bits of reporting I saw um, the other day, I think it was in Gadget. It may have been. Uh, the Verge, but the the two kind of run neck and neck and side by side in my mind a lot. But um, they had just uh, reported that Oculus had highlighted um, uh, that that there were now more than uh, a million VR users uh, on their platform. Yeah, I believe that. Um, so it, once you cross that million, uh, it starts to get user real. Th- Threshold, yeah. Then we're talking about a real market that's that's only going to get bigger. So my question to you, Paul, is: This is it's proven itself. The hardware is finally here. The content is coming along. Com- big companies with real ecosystems are backing it, mm-hmm. and now we've crossed the million uh, user threshold. So what is what's happening in stadiums? How do we bring this to stadiums? And sort of what's going on? Well, it, it's. It's an interesting phenomenon because you would think that a stadium, a sports stadium specifically, might be the last place that you would expect anybody to put on a VR headset. I mean, going to the stadium is all about being there live. It's about watching things live happen in front of you with your own eyes to be able to say, I was there when the great LeBron comeback happened. I was there when he hit the home run and I caught the ball. But, um, you know, you never miss an opportunity to use technology to bring marketing into the game. Like you said, you know, the, the equipment, the actual device that we carry in our hands and our pockets, 
bags, purses, what have you, these things have so much processing power that basically everybody already has a VR viewer if they want it. You know, at least everybody mm-hmm. with the newest smartphone, which, you know, every six months that number doubles, right, or something like that. And now what you're finding is you're seeing, we've already seen, you know, we track the news on this. We actually have an uh, intern, our first intern at Mobile Sports Report, covering VR now, a guy named Christopher Sweet. Meyer. And and the sa- the sole reason for this is that there is just a flux of, of stadium VR experiments. Um, earlier this spring, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are actually one of the most forward digital experience people in any sport, uh, the Quicken, uh-huh. Quicken Loans Arena, Dan Gilbert is very tech savvy. He runs a, you know, a couple of incubators. They, they have had Wi-Fi in the stadium. They do food ordering. They do uh, you know, seed upgrades. They're, they're very savvy. So they ran a promotion with Budweiser. And Budweiser mm-hmm. brought in, you've probably seen these in you know, several forms. It's basically just a cardboard shell that holds your smartphone and puts a little right. like it's almost like a, a you know souped up version of the 3D glasses you you get at the amusement <laughs> park if you're going on the Shrek yeah. ride or the Harry Potter ride. You know, we just did that this spring. So cool, you know. And then they had some canned VR content. You know the the so you could come in if you're at the game. It was geofenced. You dialed up uh-huh. the Cavaliers app. And you clicked on the VR content, and you slipped on this little you know, uh, cardboard headset, and you put your phone in there, and whammo, you were watching really high-quality virtual reality um, content of the Cavaliers cool. opening, of a warm-up, you know, LeBron dusting his hands, the whole thing. And I just think it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing to do. It's a cool thing to try because it costs you nothing. Yeah. It gives you a, and as a matter of fact, it, it probably makes you money because the little cardboard things are a perfect sponsor vehicle, right? Yeah. So you've given the fan, you geofence it so you can only see it in the stadium. So you're saying this is a, you know, a premium content thing. We're rewarding our fans. You get to see this come, you know, come see this cool thing. Um, it's a brilliant idea. Well, everybody's there a little bit before the game. Why not check it out? The, the uh-huh. Minnesota Twins are, are doing a similar thing. Uh, I believe later in July, they're going to hand out the cardboard headsets. I believe Google is sponsoring them um, this time. And they're going to have some canned content of you being able to walk next to a Twins player when he walks on the field and people cheer them. I mean, it's, oh, cool. it, it's, it, it's a really interesting experiment. Like I said, it costs them nothing. Everybody has the devices in their hands to do the the heavy lifting of the processing, um, uh, you know, to me, it's why not give these things a try is what these people are saying. But I'm, I'm interested in, in your thinking on this. You know, we're from the tech side of this, both from the tech side of this, because I know you pay a lot of attention to devices and, yeah. and video and, and, you know, the processing needs. I, I'm just curious where you see this going and from both a, a technological way you know can you do this can you do more of this and 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 also your thoughts on the business reasons behind it because it has to be more than just a one-off bud sponsorship yeah exactly i i I, what you're saying really opens my eyes to sort of you know the the potential for the fan experience to really be broadened which is which is 
amazing and definitely necessary, especially as much as people are spending to go to games. And we've already talked about in, in earlier versions of this, uh, earlier editions of this podcast, the expectation that consumers have when they, you know, arrive at a game, the kind of connectivity they want. Well, right along with that should come a premium content experience. Uh, one would think. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think with um, just first of all from a, a a media point of view, the interesting thing here, I think, is that the sports franchises themselves are really becoming stewards of their own story now. You know, they they are they are they are all in effect media companies and entertainment companies, and they all have a history. They all have uh, a legacy. They all have uh, you know names and faces and events associated with their franchise that define you know that. Uh, company and that logo and that experience for fans. And I think that, um, you know, what you mentioned about stadium content that's exclusive to that club or that, that building in effect, I think that's really where they need to go with this. I don't, I'm always reminded of Mark Cuban's comments about, you know, I never want to do something entertainment or, uh, you know, on a mobile device that has people looking down when they should be looking. Right. When when the ball is in the air. Yeah, exactly. So I don't ever see this as a game time experience. I see this as like a history of the game experience or a, um, you know, digging deeper into the game and finding those sort of uh, non game day activities. Like, I mean, we're already seeing this in the way stadiums are constructed. Mm -hmm. So when you go around Cowboy Stadium, you know, there's obviously like little uh, there's there's places where there's some art to look at there's places where there's little um uh, trophy cases and interesting artifacts from the game from players past there's an amazing uh you know on the ring of honor level there's this amazing photo wall uh that we've walked past a few times and uh, why not have that fire up like use a beacon thing and say watch the clip of you know the ah exactly that's exactly where my head was going is like you you have you have those experiences already built into the 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 construction of the stadium itself, why not go ahead and add that, that other dimension to it that, that, uh, that allows the, the fan to really soak it in. I mean, we always talk about things, you know, these sort of defining events in a, you know, in a franchise like the ice bowl or something like that. A frozen tundra. Right. So what was it like to really sit in the stadium that day? You know, could, could somebody construct a small room where, you know, 10, 15 fans at a time get in and sit down and put on headsets and have a pre or post game experience where they get to, uh, hmm. you know, be be guided through this this defining moment in the franchise's history. I mean, uh, you, you know that I th- that sort of uh, you know content that's very close to the fran- the sports franchises themselves, yeah. but also has a lot to do with how the stadium is built and how the stadium technology supports. Um, the content, the overall content experience. I, I, I see a lot of potential here. I mean, a lot of potential, but I think that potential is definitely going to be, um, as far as I can tell, relegated to, you know, like I said, non-game day activities or maybe halftime, but, but certainly not something that happens when the ball is in play. Well, well I would, you know, I will put to you, the Sacramento Kings have a slightly different opinion than you do. They're, yeah, they, I know. It's interesting. Yeah, they, they are opening, as those of us in the stadium tech um, market world know, Sacramento Kings are in the process of building the Golden One Center, 
uh, new mm-hmm. um, you know, multi-purpose arena in downtown Sacramento. And the owner, Vivek Ranadive, is you know, former CEO, owner of TIBCO, so he is huge on technology. He wants this thing to be not just the best uh, arena in the NBA, he wants it to be the best anywhere. Um, he should probably pay a little more attention to his backcourt, but we can get to that later. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. for the building itself, um, there have been a couple reports this week. You know, the, the stadium's due to open in October, so they're starting to talk about it. And, and one of the things, one of the other investors or contributors or um, part owners is Paul Jacobs, who is, you know, Mr. Qualcomm. And uh-huh. so, yep. you know, they are talking about the idea they they haven't really you know it's funny there's been a bunch of stories but none with the real specifics saying how they're going to make this work but their dream right now is to have virtual reality headsets available in stadium for say you know the cheap seats so that people who aren't paying as much to get the courtside experience live can sit up in the rafters still sort of feel the roar of the crowd and then slap on a VR headset and, you know, see what it's like to see the action up close. I, I, love, mm. I love the idea. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. My question is, is you know, I, I know the Wi-Fi will probably be pretty good. You've got the same peop- some of the same people who, you know, put together the network at Levi's Stadium involved on the, both the DAS and the Wi-Fi side. It, it, it'll uh-huh. probably be state-of-the-art. They're going to go under seat with the APs, you know, so they'll have really dense coverage. But, I, I mean, has anybody ever tested what it's like to have 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people streaming VR content at the same time on Wi-Fi inside a stadium Ooh. with interference challenges? I mean, uh, Paul, <laughs> Jacobs, have we run a test on this? I, I, I just, they may- you know, I don't, I, I just question whether or not this dream is going to surface anytime soon. You know, it, it, it's a, it's a valid concern. This may be the test though. I mean, that is one thing about these, these forward looking owners and, and, you know, uh, businessmen when they really have a vision for something, they can't be told no, you know, they, they, re- they want to push push that through. So they are picking up on an important trend. Seven of the top 10 most used apps on the Samsung gear VR, uh, Mm. platform are video related. So people are consuming lots and lots of video, uh, via, uh, via virtual reality headsets. Now, what I'll kind of caution here is that most folks are either consuming 180 degree or 360 degree video and thinking it's virtual reality. So very quickly, the perspective is the key thing. If you're watching a video and you see stuff all around, but you kind of have to remain in place, that's either 360 degree or 180 degree video, depending on how much you can see, right. uh, you know, when you turn your head and stuff, if you can actually physically yourself get up and interact with that environment, that's true virtual reality. And that kind of would be a disaster if you're sitting up in the rafters on the you know. <laughs> strap in first, please. <laughs> when you go the to Golden you go to Center step out onto builds. the yeah, you go to step out onto the court and you end up taking a spill down a flight of stairs. That's probably not what they're looking for. So, I, I but but you know they're also probably not looking for people to get vertigo either. So that, no. that goes back to the 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 idea. Well, two things: the producing the content and then s- distributing the content. So uh, first on the production part, um, 
So even whether it's 180 degree or 360 degree video, the the point is, let's call it you know virtual reality for short. All virtual reality video content right now is on the short side. It's it's just a few minutes per clip of anything I've ever seen. I've never seen one longer than uh, 20 minutes or so. Right. Um, and that, there's a reason for that. This stuff's expensive. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine what it costs to produce a 360 degree movie that that times out at you know uh, the the length of a game or something. Well, and, like and they're talking about doing instant you know VR replays. I mean, that's yeah, that, that's not really something people are set up to handle right now, correct? I don't think so. I, I I think that the streaming requirements for something like that, and I don't have the specific yeah. number, but I think that they're just too aggressive at the moment. And I also think that the processing time, the turnaround time, in order to um, like we do so easily. Well, I say easily. It's it's you know. Right. I mean, these these machines that producers use to uh, uh, produce video on the fly. Um, these are you know. These are really powerful machines. I don't think we're at the point where we can turn around a 360-degree virtual reality-style instant replay yet. We're getting close, though, because if you've noticed, even on certain broadcasts, they're showing, like, here's that dunk in a 360-degree sort of image. So they they are able to take stills from the live video, stitch the stills together, and make you feel like you're swooping around the player so it's it's getting ooh, it's getting close but one of the things that i think is going to come into play here um and i don't know if it'll be from facebook but facebook did develop a technology that they call dynamic streaming what it does inside of a virtual reality headset is it increases the quality of the video that you can see in front of you Hmm. but all the stuff that's happening on to the side it degrades that quality and streams it at a lower bit rate so you're not you know, processes it to the point where you can see that it's there. There's something on the periphery, but it doesn't actually um, uh, kind of go up to the higher bit rate until you turn your head and are addressing it yeah. um, dead on. So bandwidth is, is, is definitely a concern. And even Facebook realizes that, you know, in order to provide an optimal experience, it's going to have to run on today's networks. It's going to have to, we're going to have to use every trick in the book right. to to compress that video and yet still, you know, send it across at as high a resolution as possible so it can take advantage of these, you know, amazing screens and amazing devices. So I, it's really interesting. I, I think the Sacramento Kings are, you know, the... They're they're on to something, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how likely it is to catch on, but um, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 guess, I, I, I guess I'm stuck there. I, no, I, I worry. That, you know, we we hear it a lot. People, you know, will look at our site, will look at the stuff we write and report on, and talk about, and say, "Hey, you know, why are you even using a phone at a game? Shouldn't you be watching the game? Put your phone down." Right. And, and we've said time over time i'm sure we'll have to repeat it having wi-fi or good wireless connectivity in a stadium is not about spending all your time looking at your phone it's there for the moment when you need connectivity you know that it's there and that it's high quality i i i sort of feel like with the virtual reality headset thing you're, you're taking a step even farther in that direction that you know mark cuban famously has become sort of the spokesperson or poster child for this. 
you know, I, I don't know that, you know, people want to go to a stadium and disappear inside a headset. I, I kind of like your idea of a special room or even maybe a special section, right? Way up in the, yeah. like some of these stadiums now have the catwalks. You know, go right. sit up in the catwalk. You can't see anything, but, you know, you can buy a beer for $12 and hear the roar and put on the headset. But I, I just think <laughs> everybody else is, I mean, we just all watch the NBA finals, right? I mean, the fans are going nuts. The fans who aren't even at the game, the, you know, like the Cleveland fans when they're playing in, when they were playing in Oakland, they're in the stadium. There's no game going on, but they're still, you know, having a great time. So I, I just wonder if the virtual reality thing is too immersive for a stadium situation. And again, it'll be, you know, it'll be great to watch what happens with some of these experiments and, and, yeah. and certainly I, I agree with you on the Kings. Like it's a, it, it, it's a, people want to see this kind of content. So why not yeah. provide it in the stadium? I just don't know if it's the right place for it or not. I, you know, I, I, I'm right there with you, but the, the one thing that, that nags me just a bit and, and sort of convinces me that this won't go away is because anytime you can give these owners, these clubs, these franchises, an opportunity for exclusivity inside of a stadium in inside of a venue that they control. If they can provide you something that you can't get at home, then they win and you have to buy a ticket to come back. Right. No, no and broadcast so, rights to worry about. Right. So Not covered exactly. By the NBA, so yeah. I think that even if it's a bad experience, I think the experimentation is going to be ongoing because why not they won't won't give up the the they won't let go of the idea that you can that they can provide something that you only get at the stadium it's it simply won't go away anytime soon um agreed and that it, you know it the story will unfold and when it does we'll be we'll be here to tell it and uh speaking of stories yes. paul i have a story you, of caution along these okay. lines it's not exactly virtual reality but okay. several years ago I want to say this is maybe five, maybe even six years ago. I th- think you might have been with us there at the AT&T Developers Conference, which is generally held the day before CES in Las Vegas. Yes, and, yes definitely there. And one year there was a big splash. There was a company run by former NFL players. Uh, Joe Tafoya was one of them. Ryan Neese was another uh, uh-huh. They were part of the AT&T developer program. These guys were going to do sports uh, apps. You know, and they got a lot of airtime. They got introduced during the keynote speech. And they had these great plans to do, if you remember, uh, Jason Terry, the Jet. The, the yeah. Mavs had just won the NBA championship. So the Jet, that Jet was hot. Everybody knew his name. And they had plans like where they were going to build the Jason Terry virtual locker. And you'd be able uh-huh. to go inside this app and, you know, you'd have exclusive content, you'd have interviews, you'd go to practice with Jason Terry, all this kind of stuff. Well, it never happened. And I don't know <laughs> why, whether it was an app thing or a business thing, but it. my point is it, it wasn't just this one. We've heard that story so many times, right? Yeah. And, and I think it goes along the lines of what you were just talking about that teams look around and say, we have a gold mine of content here. You know, let's figure out a way to expose all this content. You know, going to the locker room, you know, auditions for the cheerleaders, um, 
you know, right. <laughs> lunch with season ticket holders. Okay, maybe not that one, but yeah. <laughs> but my my point is, and 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 how this circles all back to virtual reality is, is you know, the first time you see virtual reality, or you, if you see things done really well, it, it's really captivating. I was just at the um, Harry Potter uh, ride thing down at Universal Studios. Took our daughter yes. there for yeah. a weekend. And I, Very cool. I, I went on the ride, and I, I was blown away. I mean, yeah, it, it it does the thing where it straps you into a, a you know roller coaster like seat, so it can move your body a little bit. But most of the action, if you will, is done visually through yeah. you know you wear the three D glasses that eight thousand other strangers have worn, um, <laughs> which is a different kind of so, virtual experience. Cool, but gross. Cool, but gross. Um, <laughs> but but you really do sort of feel like you're flying if you give yourself over to it. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. But then it's like, okay, are you going to go on the ride a second time? Are you mm. going to, you know, what else is left after that? Are you going to, like, watch virtual reality of, you know, Harry studying? I don't know. But I, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm getting way off point. But the point is here for the virtual reality stuff. It, it's a cool spectacle to look at. But... You know, in the wake of all the past promises about, you know, interesting insider content, you know, cool things to do. I, I don't know that people are really that interested in the behind the scenes stuff. I think people like live action. They like games. Yeah. They like s- games with a scoreboard. You know, they like things that are undecided. So, uh, you know, that's my question. When we start getting live virtual reality, wow, you know. That to me, I think, is going to be really cool. I'm just not so sure this this canned stuff is is going to be more than a well. That was cool. Now throw the headset down and get me a beer. And who better to remind us that access is access, but there but the real thing is the story. You know, than 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 a a former uh, or let's say former former <laughs> uh, journalist colleague of mine. But it's like you know a for, my former editor yes. Paul Kapuska. Um, I mean seriously, that's the thing. Is like access is what it is. It's great, but just having access to Jason Terry's locker doesn't tell us a story. No, and I think that that's what people really crave. They want that that action. That that uh, that if they're going to have an immersive experience and it has no story behind it. And, you know, then there's really nothing there. But if something's at stake, you know, there's a game going on or there's something uh, to be. And and there's some novelty factor, like you point out with the Harry Potter ride. You're right. You don't go on it. You don't go on it more than once because all the surprise, all the all the novelty has kind of gone away after that first time. Um, speaking of, uh, things that won't go away and things that will remain novel, um, <laughs> how, <laughs> boy, I'm, I'm, my transitions are <laughs> suffering this week. I apologize for that. I, uh, Summertime. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the heat's getting to me and it's taking a toll on, on, uh, on my ability to string words I'm together. A little bit but, quick. um, what we do need to do is impart some information. We are going to continue to follow this virtual reality story. This will not be the last virtual reality no. to- uh, podcast no, no. that we have. This topic will continue on uh, almost uh, as much as as Wi-Fi itself and everything else that has to do with stadium connectivity. Um, where can folks find out more about uh, what you're writing about, uh, what uh, uh, you're covering, and where you're going to be next? We have three main ways of staying in touch with us, just kind of like the Spanish Inquisition. Our three main weapons. <laughs> you can come to our website which is cleverly at www.mobilesportsreport.com, where we cover the stadium technology market 
on a daily basis. We have news, we have analysis, we have opinions, we have photo essays, including our most recent one from U.S. Bank Stadium. Little sneak peek inside the new uh, Vikings uh, home there in Minneapolis. So you go to the site, check it out. Cool. You can also, at the site, there's another clever button that allows you to subscribe to our weekly emails. This are perfect for people who aren't on the web every day but don't want to miss anything. Every week we send you a roundup of all our stories so that you can stay in track with everything that's going on. And also on the site, you can download our Stadium Tech Report quarterly reports. And hot off the digital presses is our Q2 issue, which has all the photos from our visit to U.S. Bank Stadium. You get to see a picture of me in a hard hat and safety glasses, <laughs> which I had. I actually had to buy a pair of shoes to tour U.S. Bank Stadium. That's how much safety. That's first. how much I care about the Mobile Sports Report readership. Is that I went out and bought a pair of Red Wing steel-toed shoes so I could go tour that stadium in a construction zone. We, nice. we spare no expense to get you the news here. But the reports are free to download. You In the Q2 report, we also have a profile of Wi-Fi deployment at St. Louis Cardinals Bush Stadium, a, the Wi-Fi at the Buffalo Bills, Ralph Wilson Stadium. We report on what the Los Angeles Rams are going to be doing in the LA Coliseum until their new Taj Mahal Stadium gets built. And, yeah. you know, so check it out. That's the place to find us. And our fine podcast, which, if you're listening to this, you have found and perhaps subscribed to on iTunes. Yes, please do subscribe on iTunes. Give us five stars or four if you hate our guts. And uh, until next time, uh, on behalf of Paul Kapuska and the Mobile Sports Report, uh, this is Bill Harvey signing off for the Stadium Tech Report podcast. Thank you for listening.